Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome back to Surrey Voices. This is the podcast from Surrey Choices, an organisation in Surrey which supports people with disabilities, special educational needs, and more. You can see more about what we do on our website, surreychoices.com. I'm your host, David, and today we're talking about inclusivity. Inclusivity is one of Surrey Choice's six core values. As it says on our website, we respect one another and value diversity, creating place where everyone belongs. So what does that mean in practice? Well, today we hope to find out. We talk to Ross about what inclusion means at his job at a hospital, Lucy and Chantelle about how language makes you feel, and Rob and Jordan about being part of the LGBT community. Stick around later on Inclusive Choices Voices. But first, Adam talks with Daniel Clements from the Royal Association for Deaf People about what inclusion means for that community. A link to the YouTube video with subtitles is included in the show notes. For those listening on the podcast, Daniel is using British Sign Language, and the voice you all hear is his interpreter, Amy. Hi, Daniel and Amy from the Royal Association for Deaf People. Thank you very much for joining us on the Surrey Voices podcast. Hello, thank you for inviting me here today. Well, In this episode, we're talking about inclusivity, and I was interested in what the term means, what the concept means for the deaf community. Okay, so really, um, if we're talking about inclusivity, it links to um, being equal and how that's very important. So having equal access um, for members of the deaf community. So making sure they have full access to services, information, resources, and a whole host of other things. It's important to remember that inclusivity um, really is down to communication. Having full access to communication via sign language interpreters, captions, envision interpreters on the television. There are many different ways to ensure that inclusivity is continuous. We need to remove the isolation um, and remove the barriers that the deaf community faces. So the changes that we make um, broaden inclusivity. I see. So are there any areas, specific areas in society that you think we should be tackling? Well, to be honest, there are so many areas of improvement needed. There are too many barriers uh, that deaf people experience and face every day. Um, There are a lot of different settings um, and a lot of different instances. You know, it's if I give you an example, um, society at the moment, um, attitudes are changing, perception and to disability is changing. Um, You know, the access to everyday things, if I give you an example, going to medical appointments or going to the shopping centre, 
uh, any any things um, you know that we're doing we don't realize that there are barriers within that daily for the deaf community you know communication we know is a huge barrier we need time to make sure that communication professionals are booked it's not an instant process you need plenty of time in advance and to be able to find a communication professional that meets the needs of the deaf person because communication professionals are all different as well as the needs of the deaf community. And it's the same for education as well. There are barriers to education, access to information, um, access to teaching. You know, there's not enough teachers of the deaf, for example, um, and that's an additional barrier to education. And there are other examples as well, uh, such as barriers to services. If um, you know yourself, you can go to a GP and um, you can book an appointment straight away. You can have that consultation. But for a deaf person, they can't do that. So you then have to wait and um, to get interpreters booked or another communication pr professional to be to be arranged. Um, and then you have the whole issue of who's going to pay for the interpreter. And it can take a really long time to get everything in place. And, you know, a deaf person may be waiting two, three or four weeks to see a GP. Whereas, you know, as a person who has hearing, they can go and see the GP straight away. They don't have to wait there. So the, the quality is, is very different. So it sounds like there are practical barriers and also barriers to how, how we perceive the issue. One of the key words you mentioned was perception. So it occurred to me that there was the actor Rose Aileen Ellis, who became quite well known because she was on Strictly Come Dancing. And that seems to be about the representation and whether it matters that people who are deaf are on t TV. What do you think about that kind of representation? Is it important? I think um, it's a similar question. It's important to have um, BAME presenters, actors, other disabled presenters, you know, it, it's exactly the same why should it be any different? We had the breakthrough with Rose, which is fantastic. The profile of the deaf community was shown. Um, you know, it doesn't matter on levels of hearing loss, you know, whether somebody's deaf and whether they, they use sign language or so on. You know, being included in TV and the media, you know, it shows that you can still be part of that. We know that lately, um, there have been more and more deaf people included um, within the diff different media outlets, which is good. But is it enough? No, it's not. It's never enough. Now, um, the perception is changing, but hopefully this will continue and it will become the new norm. But it is really important to have um, diversity, you know, and full representation to show that, you know, you can be a disabled person and you can be a professional within the, the world of media. And we know um, about there are tons of different sign language going back in deep into history and many different types for all around the world. But there's also Makaton. Well, for someone who doesn't know about Makaton, can you explain that a little bit? And why is it different and why is it needed? Yeah, that's a good question. People, Makaton often gets confused. Um, a lot of people think that Makaton is the same as sign languages, but it's, it's not the same. It is very different. Makaton in itself focuses on um, those people who have some hearing. 
um, but they have a different language need. So the communication need is very different. So they may have a learning disability um, and they may need some additional communication tools. Um, so they would then use a form of sign language that is more visual. Um, so more about objects, hand shapes, um, which will then link to um, the representation of something tangible, whereas sign language is very different. Sign language has its own grammar, so its own grammatical structure. It is an official recognised language in its own right. And there you know, are varieties and within that sign language, exactly the same as variations within spoken language. So sign language is very different to Makaton. Um, there's a different audience as well who will receive um, these different signs. You know, to me today, you know, I'm using British Sign Language now BSL, um, which isn't Makaton and it's, it's not to be confused with, Makaton is completely different. It's important to remember that with disabilities, you know, there are co different communication styles within that and for the deaf community, um, most of the deaf community will use British Sign Language. And we know that deafness you know, is a, a hidden disability um, and it's not always obvious if somebody's a deaf person. You can look at somebody on the, on the street and you may not know that they're deaf. So it's really important to remember that for a deaf person, there could be, you know, they could have many different levels of hearing loss um, and different communication styles, different communication needs. So we need to be able to adapt to make sure that the deaf person does have full access to communication. You know, Makaton is very different. Well, um, I think we've mostly covered everything I want to say. Is there, is there anything remaining that you think is important for us to know about while, while we're here? I think it's important to always remember that we as society, we can make a difference. We can make small changes um, that will result in a big impact. So if everybody could think about what differences they could do every day, um, you know, it's not just for deaf people, but to mean that anybody with a disability can have a better life. And, you know, better access, maybe one small change, meaning that what the world would become a better place to live. Hope. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, for sharing your thoughts with us. And thank you, Amy, for interpreting. And that's the end. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Daniel, for coming on the podcast. There is a subtitled version of that conversation on YouTube. You can find the link in our show notes. Now, Ross is a person supported by our employability team. He talked with Jackie about feeling included at work. So Ross works for um, the Royal Surrey Hospital. Ross, you want to tell us a bit about your job? Okay, so um, I work in the uh, in the equipment library uh, at the Royal Surrey Hospital, Guildford, uh, where all the machines are kept, and um, I go out to all the wards and collect the machines and uh, bring them back, um, log them back onto the to uh, Equip, which is the database system. I check uh, for any damages uh, on the machines, uh, but yeah, and then I just uh, give them a quick once over. Put them back on the shelf, and uh, if I have time, I do some uh, some online training. 
Brilliant. So how do you think the Royal Surrey and your employer has made you feel included as part of the organisation? What kind of things have they done? I think probably they've made me um, uh, more inclusive. Uh, also me uh, interacting with uh, with all the nurses on the uh, and staff on the wards and as well uh, especially uh, one uh, one particular guy on French and ward uh, who uh, who came into the library just to grab a machine and I said yes what can I do for you and then he just um, asked if we wanted a machine and then we every time we see him we always say hello to each other and I ask him if he needs something and then uh, he always comes back, and um, I also interact with some of the uh, receptionists as well. They'll mm-hmm. have a good chat, and also gaining that uh, little extra something as well. Um, mm-hmm. Not, I wouldn't say it was confidence because I've already, I already got that, but it was, um, it was like this small boost that I never had. But it was, de- it's definitely marked um, quite a bit of improvement uh, since then. When you got your job, mm-hmm. that was a big boost for me as well. Like I was really pleased that gave me a boost. So does is it? Do you think being included as part of the team? Do you think that makes you feel? I think uh, there's something in deep down inside you that asks yourself. You need to do that. You need to find that little that little something extra. And deep down inside me, that uh, kind of lifted lifted up inside me, and that enabled me to push forward and. Uh, and find that little something extra and that little something spe- special. And that I think that's how it happened. How long have you been there now? It'll be four years in April. Four years, yes. So when you first started, you had Wayne, didn't you? We were working with Wayne and Wayne helped you feel really kind of, he helped you in the first to get your way around the job and everything. And then... Uh, Wayne did show me on the, uh, on the, uh, tra- on the training day and... Uh, and all that but uh, and then I just uh I just settled in immediately and just uh cracked on with it I knew where I what I had to do I knew where I had to go and that and so recently you got a new manager didn't you because Wayne left and there were some problems yeah one day uh I was busy just uh putting in the uh in the num- in the machine numbers in the equipment in the equip and uh I think Etel said something to me uh which I can't can't remember what and then I uh I just said what and then she said it again i just just couldn't understand her really and then i was as i was cleaning the machines down uh, down i was talking to her and she didn't uh, respond it was like talking to a brick wall or a or a big slab of concrete or something and i just um and it was then that i was i was basically close to boiling point i was and i just uh just couldn't uh just couldn't cope anymore so i um I, had to, I sent her quite a few text messages and then uh, my mum got in with uh, the, this woman, Margaret, and she, um, Margaret was a massive help. She was, uh, she, well, firstly, uh, the week before she talked uh, to Hattel and Ben about what happened and that and about what was going on and that. And then, and then when I came in and the following week, start a new week, uh, she talked to me and I explained all my issues to and then, as we did by one to one, we um, we found uh, that little something uh, from that day, and we we kind of started make started improving. And uh, and after a few phone calls uh, was uh, to Margaret, and that uh, we started started getting along together. 
made uh, big improvements. And then um, during the summer of last year, there was um, there was a point where we had to work together to uh, stop uh, one of the nurses from taking one of the machines, and we had to uh, communicate and and work together. And uh, but uh, but yeah, it was um, it was great. And uh, after that, we just uh, got on and uh, and yeah, it's it's great. Didn't you get an award last year from work as well? Was that? Yes, after after I hosted uh, the uh, award ceremony for Sorry mm-hmm. Choices, um, some of the awards that came out, and um, and one of the uh, awards was the Unsung Hero Award. And uh, Neil said that the young the unsung hero was yours truly. Brilliant. Uh, when I was looking at my emails uh, from Neil, and he uh, explained the reasons why I was up for the unsung hero hero award and why i got it and i looked through and uh yeah i could understand his re- understand his reasons um to spend nearly half a year working alone in the library uh trying to cope with all kinds of pressures that is that is a monumental achievement to be honest in my opinion Mm, I'd agree. I'd agree. I think you've done you've done really well. So it's been you've worked in tough, challenging conditions in a challenging environment with a lot of different people, and and you're still you're still there and hanging in there. So to be an unsung hero is brilliant, and that must have made you feel really part of the team. The fact that they want to give you an award that's uh, absolutely absolutely that's a true yeah. testament. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. And then in September, we went out for a night uh, for a bowling night at the Spectrum. Yeah, it was great seeing everybody, and it was a it was a brilliant night. I'm really pleased with you, Ross. I'm glad that you've got a social circle there now as well. So that's really important with work. That's the other reason to go to work, isn't it? Get paid, but also mm. the social opportunities that it gives you. So it's really yeah. important. When someone's nervous, when when they start and that, and when people are similar like me, uh, they um, they feel like they just uh, they just don't want to do it. they don't want to do it. But uh, you need Take it one step at a time, and uh, it's like climbing the ladder. Start at the bottom, work your way to the top. It's about uh, gaining that experience and from others. And you might think, can't do that, but you don't actually notice, know this, but you do actually have that experience. You, you think you can't do that, wherein it's an actual fact, you can. You can do that. Yes, it was uh, it was a hard start, but then we gradually uh, gradually got going, and it's just been it's just been great ever since. Thank you, Ross, for joining us. It's been really uh, really great to talk to you and hear about your work journey. That's all right, Jackie, and the pleasure was all mine. And the, it was brilliant for me to uh, come together and talk about my journey and my experiences uh, into my current role. Ross had a story about how an issue at work was helped by Margaret, who was his employment support specialist at the time from our employability team. The employment support specialist will work with people having issues at work with their manager. It will generally be a discussion about the types of issues a person has and finding some common ground with the manager and putting in some reasonable adjustments if needed. In many parts of life, the language we use is important. 
Lucy and Chantel talk to our colleagues Phil and Nikki about this issue. We're here to talk about inclusion and the impact that language has on people. Let's all introduce ourselves. I'm Lucy. I just have disability that affects me in walking now and my mobility is not very good and my balance, I can't stand too long like I used to. I'm Chantel. When I was a baby, I was born brain damaged and deaf, and I noticed by speaking, and I've been into in schools teaching teaching how to speak, and that and um, as a whole body to shake. Then eventually, when I when I'm a daughter, they put an um, injection in my knee, in my back, devil jaw. And um, that's what affects my legs. Oh, blimey. So are you somebody who uses a wheelchair all the time? The doctor did say to me, eventually you will end up in a wheelchair rest of your life, even when I'm walking. Thank you for sharing, Chantel. Hi, I'm Nikki and I'm the staff at Nexus and I uh, support both Chantel and Lucy, as well as others. And I'm Phil. I work for Surrey Choices. I feel what difference does language make to people? Well, when we do um, our positive behaviour support training for staff, we talk a lot about what the staff that we employ in Surrey Choices believe and how the things that we believe and what we value is reflected by the words that we use. So let me give you an example. If somebody said um, to me, oh, that's Phil, she's kicking off. That's not going to make me feel very good. If somebody's talking about me and said, oh, Phil's really anxious today. I wonder if there's something we can do to help her. I'm going to feel much better and feel much more supported and and part of a group. And we also encourage staff to put themselves in others' shoes. So to see how we might feel if we were in the same situation as the people that we work for to help people be more kind and tolerant to people and find ways to help them. So I just wanted to give some examples of language that we've seen or heard about previously, um, which we're trying to help staff to find more professional and more positive words for. Um, So sometimes we've seen words around somebody's banned from doing something. Well, the people that we support are all adults, so we shouldn't be banning people from some something we should be asking them what else they would like to do um, and often if people write about someone refusing to do something we could say choose not to so if somebody offered me a chocolate cake and a salad I would probably choose not to eat the salad and choose to eat the chocolate cake so I'm not refusing I'm just making different choices so it's about how we use things and how we use the words to describe people So when we're looking at people who need support with their behaviour, we want to make sure that we are writing it in a language that makes people feel included and good about themselves to help them. Um, So that's what we're doing. Chantel, how does it make you feel if people use negative words with you, like can't or don't? If someone said to you, you can't go out for a coffee because you're in a wheelchair, I'd be upset. 
I'll be angry and upset. And if I say if I can't get out, I got myself. That's the thing, I just ignore them. But if you're saying you're ignoring them, Chantel, does that make you feel good or bad about you if they've used those words about you? No, no. Yeah, if, if something's bad, I'll ignore it. And Lucy, what about you? How does it make you feel if people use negative words? Make me feel upset, but I don't actually show it. But deep in my heart, I do feel upset, but I don't always show it at the time until later on. And I'm at home on my own. Okay. What about people who talk about you and they don't talk to you? How do you feel about that? I don't like when people talk about me about, you know, about throwing my face, not throwing my face. You made an interesting comment, Chantal, earlier about people seeing your wheelchair and not you. Do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, it's just like I've had it with my mum and dad and they they don't see me mostly. I mean, they see the chair, wheelchair, well, they don't see me mostly, but that's how I feel. People may look at Chantelle and think, because you should see her in the lunch cookery, she's by the stove and she's frying and she's using massive machete knives to chop. And anyone might come in and see her and think there's no way she can cook her own dinner without anybody helping mm -hmm. when she can. Yeah, it's like me and my husband, just 50-50. I cook mm. and then the horses up or... I wash up and he cook. So when mm. you say about people just don't see me, that's what you mean. Mm -hmm. They see you and they think you can't wash up, like you can't cook. Or... Mm -hmm. We don't think I can do that. But You can't mm -hmm. have a baby, you can't get married. Yeah, I've been said that. She's had all of this because she is, she's happily married, she's had a baby. Yeah. So Chantal, how, how do you want people to talk to you to show you, show they see you and not your disability i'm trying to show them i show them i can do it lucy can you give me an example of when um someone made you feel unhappy because of the way they spoke to you or the language that they used well, i had some neighbors talking about me then I was in hospital and someone else was telling me about it and I feel upset about it. Okay, so Lucy, can yeah. you give um, some examples how um, some people make you feel good about yourself because of the words that they use? I put myself down, saying, like, if I do an artwork, I say I can't do it, but in actual fact I can. And you gave me good feedback about my presentation, went live and went on YouTube. I was so happy and very proud about that. I'm happy I did the interview side and the staff training. Happy that I've been involved in all that sort of things. Nobody but look at you, you're doing amazingly, aren't you, both of yeah. you, with your filming and things. So yeah. it's really important to sort of show people what they're good at, isn't it? Yes. Okay, Chantel, do you have any examples of how people at Surrey Choices, when you come to Nexus, um, speak to you and the, the words that we use to encourage you? Um, 
they see me not in a minute I'm in the wheelchair, but they see me and they talk to me and I love um and I do arts and art and beauty and doing nails and that and so do you find that um people find ways around your disability so that you can be included in yeah. the beauty session? Yes, they do. How does that make you feel? Happy. Phil, can you tell me why it's so important? Yes, thank you, Lucy. It's really important for us to use inclusive language. So that's words that make people feel part of what we're doing rather than left out of things because it makes people feel good. And in Surrey Choices, we want to put people at the heart of everything that we do. And it's also about respect because I think the way that you talk to people shows how you respect them. If you're using language that upsets people, they're not going to feel respected by you. And we want to make sure that everybody's equal. So this is part of Surrey Choices approach. It's being written into our working together policy and also other work that we're doing. And it's also Surrey County Council and SCIE's strength-based approach. So SCIE stands for Social Care Institute for Excellence. And it's about looking at people's strengths and what they're good at and what they can do, rather than things that people might find difficult. Thank you for talking to all of us. Been a pleasure to be with you all. Thank you from Lucy, Chantal, Bill and Nikki. Welcome, Lucy. I forget because I forgot your name. <laughs> Just as there's been a big change in the last few decades with how society treats disabilities and mental health, so too has there been a big shift towards sexuality. Jordan and Rob are here to tell us about the challenges that still come with being gay and the importance of having a community. Hello, my name is Jordan. Um, I'm gay, so yeah. But um, this is my first gay bride, so yeah, I'm excited. We party, um, spend time with other gay people, and to have fun and talk. Gay boy means bisexual, transgender, and um, gays, and you know, all all us lot. So we 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 get together and you know have a fun day out. So and talk and all that stuff. But some people love us who who we are. So I think you know, there's nothing wrong being gay at all. Um, I know there's young people find out they are gay or bisexual or whatever they want want to be so yeah i'm just going to um go to the gay pride and like see see like the massive shows and all that stuff and talk to new people and make more friends and all that stuff so i got loads of brothers um and i 
live in a sporting living home and I have amazing family who love me and um understand I am gay also but for my and my brothers also so they they know I'm gay also so my mum knows I was going to be gay when 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 she had had me. So <laughs> I've been I've been gay when I was young. So I did not tell anyone first. When people tell other people they're gay, there's there's some people hate gay people, and yeah. So we hide things a lot. So I was afraid. Telling my dad I'm gay, but my mum, um, my mum is completely fine. But one of my brothers had to tell my dad I'm gay, and then my dad just said, "Oh, about about time you you tell me." So he's he's fine with it. So they just like love me who I am, and um, they help me a lot. Like if people upset me they will see if I'm alright. Each gay person they will not tell anyone. So like me I wear makeup and I drop fake eyelashes and I wear like clothes but people look at me and they say oh gay and all that sort of school. I didn't tell them because I know some gay people they get really hurt. They say quite horrible words and all that stuff and like saying like you you got a gay demon in, in inside you and all that stuff. So as a gay person that's really dead to me and all all the gay people out there they they get really upset, so we we get so upset. So and also like some gay people got boyfriends already, and they walk around and um, teenagers will look look at them and laugh at them and drawing names. So all the gay people out there, um, nothing is wrong with being gay at all. My name's Robert Pink, and um, I've created a presentation about, um, about LGBT and me, about my experiences with um, autism and being LGBT. So about me, um, so I was diagnosed with um, my Asperger's when I was six years old. Um, 10 and 11, I started to understand autism and how it affects me. Um, mainstream school was difficult. But I am um, I coped okay. As an adult, um, I went to college to study horticulture. I loved it and I made friends and enjoyed the courses that I'd done. Um, I started working with Surrey Choices in 2015 to find paid work. Um, working with Surrey Choices, um, so Becky Grammel helped me find my first paid job at Silent Pool, and Paige helped me find my current job at Phyllis Tuckwell. Working gave me a lot of confidence, aware of different things, learning new things, earning money, and it gave me independence. I never thought I would get into paid employment, and I am so glad that I did. 
So I realised that I was gay at 12. I thought it was just a phase, and I think a lot of people felt that way before they came out. But by 16, I was absolutely gay. I wasn't interested in having a girlfriend. I told my parents on my 16th birthday, and mum and dad were very accepting, accepted me for who I am, so I am very lucky. When I was um, younger, when I was a teenager, I used to go to a group called Twister, um, which was held in um, Guildford, and um, it was good because I could just um, talk to people just like myself, really, and I sort of felt like myself more as well, because at that point, um, because I was 19 when I started going, and at that point I hadn't really come out to many people, just like my parents and a couple of friends and that I hadn't come out to everyone like I have now so I think that was a good turning point for me so it gave me a lot more confidence to come out to more people knowing that other people just just like myself it gave me the confidence to to, to come out to more people so it made, it made me want to be myself more going to Twister so I am um, I met quite a lot of young people there who had um who found it very difficult to come out to their parents and it completely ruined their relationship with their parents. Their parents disowned them and they couldn't live with their parents anymore. And and uh, so it, I really um, feel very lucky that I have parents that understand, that understand and accept it because I suppose some parents, it is quite a shock when they first get told because they might not necessarily be expecting it. But I think parents need sort of time to get used to it because um, in time they will get, they will get used to fact about their child being gay but yes they just need time to get used to it really I mean that's like what I've heard other people say it's not my own experience I mean I've you know some young people even get kicked out and become homeless because of it so it's good that there's an LGBT community because um young people are going through a very difficult time with their with their um parents or or I feel if they're being badly bullied because of it they can they can go to um like support groups like I went to Twister and that and that's like a whole community that they can go to as people just like themselves that they can that they can talk to and people who understand so it's good that there's a community because they know they're not alone as well there's other people just like them going through the going for the same situation so I kept it a secret at college as I was worried I was going to be bullied I did tell a teacher she was very supportive um, outside and before they came out to my colleagues two years after I started working there. This was a big turning point for me. They were supportive and amazing too because I worked there for two years. Obviously, I, I knew everyone there well, so I knew that they would be accepting, but it was difficult because um, I sort of wasn't sure how, even though I knew everyone would be fine about it, I wasn't sure how they were going to, to react to it. So... Um, but it just got to the point really where I felt I, I needed to tell them really. I, I didn't want to, I wanted to tell everyone, I didn't want to keep it secret anymore. So it was dif- difficult, but at the same time, it was a, a release at the same time. So, but I felt a lot better once I, once I told them. Because of the great acceptance at work, I now feel I can come out to anyone. So I don't know other opinions affect me anymore. Um, I'm happy the way I am. Um, I did feel that I had two challenges, autism and being gay, but now I accept who I am and I love myself. I wouldn't change myself for the world. And then also people who have just come out as LGBT, if they they need support of anything, then there's um, um, Autism Speaks, um, ambitious about autism. They're both autism and for LGBT, there's Stonewall 
Um, and also there's the Aspie world for anyone who's um, autistic as well. So so they're all good links that we found, which we think would be very useful for people who, who, who want to find out more information and want to find support. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I enjoy um, sharing my um, experience with everyone. So, yeah. And you can find those links to Twister, Stonewall and the Autism Charities in our show notes. It's time for Choices Voices. This month, it's Surrey Choices vocational project staff who are in the spotlight. They were asked to describe how they practice inclusivity in their projects. But we didn't have long to put together an answer, so let's find out what they said. Hello, I'm Simon and I work at the Leyland Project. I've been here for the past 11 years and at Surrey Choices we have six core values. Be courageous. Be inspiring. Be kind. Be collaborative. Be inclusive. Be responsive. We have chosen to focus on be inclusive and talk about why this is so important to us and one of our core values at Surrey Choices. So, what does inclusion mean to us? Within horticulture projects, inclusion is almost second nature as every person can benefit socially, emotionally, physically and mentally from being in an outside environment. Hi, it's Phil here from the Grove team. One way we promote inclusion is by volunteer work, parties and external groups. A recent partnership with Tice's Meadows bird groups have been our customers working in the countryside alongside students and volunteers. Duke of Edinburgh groups, countryside rangers and birds enthusiasts. This has boosted their skills, social network and confidence, helping to prepare for the world and working. I am proud to talk about being inclusive. The exact people into Leyland Project with a diverse ethnicity and background to promote people's independence to do gardening and carpentry. We read people's care plans to find out their needs and adapt their skills into the workplace to be part of their local community. We also work with the growth team and employability to make it happen. Putting customers first, finding out their needs through person-centred planning and include them into the community. This could be a volunteering role like the cafe, which could help them gain confidence and independence and interpaid work. At Choices Waves, we give people a platform to express themselves without judgment and be included in creating media, discussing pop culture and current affairs. It's an informal advocacy for self-representation, recording podcasts on topics that are important to the Surrey Choices community and individuals. We use inclusive forms of communication, working with our comms team to create audio newsletters to communicate in the best way. Travel Choices. Our aim is to enable young people to independently travel to school, college, etc. using public transport. Through practice, we equip our young people with the skills that enable them to access transport. This is a life skill that is transferable for their future, both in work and socially. We assess the needs and preferences of the young person, building a relationship with them and tailoring their training programme that is evaluated and adapted to meet their needs. Inclusion is a given in everyday life. We include everyone, customers and staff. Good communication and relationships with our team, customers and staff, parents and carers, 
and give time to express wishes and opinions. Thank you for listening to our podcast about inclusion. We'd just like to make sure that everyone makes inclusion a non-negotiable in their day-to-day practice. Thanks, vocational team, for all the work you do. Finally, let's listen in to what's been going on at Choices Waves, the in-house radio station. I better get my um, recording voice ready. Choices Waves. digital voice of sorry choices hello welcome to another show with william it's um, it's good to be back and now i know julie telling me not to start but i will start so here's julie and don't start now yeah Robbie williams was at the o2 and coldplay was at Wembley stadium oh interesting if he doesn't know the river you can see reversal. That's not a problem. Oh, Adam, it reminds me of Scott and Charlene. You know, from Neighbours. Well, maybe it's just me. I just wanted to say how good the show was. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, that's the last question. Yay! <laughs> Well done, thank you. That was really nice to be interviewed by you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Oh yeah, that'll wake me up before you go go by Wham, and it's time for me to go go. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope to uh, speak to you again soon and play some more great music. Until then, bye. Thanks for listening to Surrey Voices. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at choiceswaves at surreychoices.com. Thanks this month to Robert, Jordan, Ross, Lucy and Chantel for telling us about their experiences. Thanks to Jackie Doe, Julia Sibley, Phil Mack and Nikki Rutter for helping arrange and conduct interviews. And especially Daniel and Amy from the Royal Association for Deaf People for taking the time to talk with us. I've been your host, David, and until next time, take care.